All right, legends, we're on to another little review here of uh, the horror movies. And this is Halloween Free Season of the Witch. And this is the second time I've started this podcast because, like an idiot, I forgot to turn up the volume, or the, the record volume on my mic. So I was sitting talking for about five minutes, not realising that it was indeed recording, just it wasn't picking up any sound. So, big idiot that I am. Uh, it is what it is freaking dickhead um but we're here and we're getting into this movie i was actually so excited to check this one out and i do recall a few moments from this movie before i sat down to watch it again i can't recall this was one of these movies that i had seen bits and pieces of it over the years on television and i think we had it rented out one night back in the the early 90s, or the late 90s, sorry, uh, me and a bunch of mates used to get together on the weekends and rent out a few movies, grab a few beer and sit down, have a chill out, watch a movie or two and uh, talk a lot of nonsense. And I think this is one of these ones that we probably had watched over a weekend, but they were having that much fun and talking and whatnot, we just didn't properly or I just didn't properly ingest the movie up until this point um that's the whole point of me sitting down to do these podcasts on the show is just to get myself a wee bit deeper into the horror genre as I say uh, if you if you know the show um big into fairly big into the Buffy verse as far as the Buffy the Vampire Slayer goes, but majorly into the, the Angel series. We just started that on Wednesday night prior to this episode. So uh, if you're interested in those, check it out every week. Should hopefully be going three nights a week at this point. But anyway, this movie here, for me, um, the Halloween movies in general, I was never really drawn towards them, let's just say. It just... Michael Myers as a horror character just didn't really appeal to me. So it didn't really jump towards these movies. But again, seen them all in bits and pieces over the years. But this was the first one and the only one in the series not to have Michael Myers in it. And it was a break off from the usual slasher genre uh, that the other movies are a part of. And I think now... If this had been a success, this movie, now, it has picked up quite a following in the years it has been out on initial release. It wasn't really received that well. Uh, it did make money back, and actually did make good money. It had a budget of $2.5 million, and it made a profit of $14.4 million at the box office in the US, so it Goodness knows what it made worldwide. So it wasn't uh, a failure by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, not a big enough hit that they were going to continue on with what they were going to planning to do with the series. Um, they had the idea of um, the director of this movie, uh, Wallace, what's his full name, Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, wrote and directed this movie, uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hulk, and the creators of the first two movies, came back as producers. So what he was thinking of doing, um, 
John Carpenter and Barbara Hull believed the Halloween series could have been an anthology series of films that centred around Halloween night, with each sequel containing its own characters, setting and storyline, and the director stated that there were many, many ideas for Halloween themed movies, some of which could have potentially created a number of their own sequels, and the season of which was meant to be the first one. So, you know, even though it wasn't a big enough hit to justify going down that route, I kind of feel that they should have did it separate and give it a fair chance because the film itself, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's definitely worth a watch if you've never seen it before. But if you're a fan of the, the Michael Myers movies, uh, it's probably not going to be the one that you're going to jump at. But over recent months, I've heard a lot of chat about Season of the Witch on different podcasts and whatnot. And a lot of people seem to have a lot of love for it. But, uh, you know, for me, I enjoyed it well enough up until the it started out strong, had a hell of a lot of potential, but... For me, the the wheels kind of fell off it slightly coming up towards the end of it, uh, just in the the villain of the piece, uh, just didn't really scream terror at me. Um, but essentially, in this film, it's a, a madman that wants to uh, take out all the children. In America, essentially, on Halloween night. Um, yes, he runs this company that makes Halloween masks. And there's this little symbol on the back of it. And uh, it has a piece of one of the stones from Stonehenge on it. And through a ancient Celtic ritual and alignments of the planet... He is going to, you know, he's sold out across America and throughout the movie there's all these, you're constantly seeing this advertisement on TV here and there for the masks and whatnot and there's going to be a special giveaway at 9pm on Halloween night and when his hope and his plan is that all the kids that have bought one of these masks are going to be sitting in front of their TV and the advertisement that they put out at 9pm on Halloween night will have an activation code and this little badge that's on the back of the mask will activate has a little piece of this a little fragment of a stonehenge stone on it uh, it'll activate and kill the person wearing the mask and anybody in close quarters and there's a demonstration of that in the movie happening where he has uh, one of his sales reps comes to his company with uh, his wife and child and they run uh, a test on them to see if this activation will work and it does indeed work and it just kind of melts the kid's head down and all these creepy crawlies and snakes start to crawl out of his body it is um, graphic enough this movie um, certain sequences in it are uh, one thing that stood out to me the visuals in it are very strong, very well done. And there's a one thing that I do remember from this movie prior to this watch was the woman, another sales rep, 
who's in this small town where the, the factory is. And she's there to get a new order of masks, but there was a mess up of her order or whatnot. She had to stay overnight at the local hotel. And she had commented that they, the masks are not as good quality as they used to be because one of these little badges fell off the back of the mask. And she notices at one point that there's a microchip in this thing, in this little badge. And she's sitting in bed and she's she takes a, a hair pan out of her, her hair and she starts messing about with a little circuit board on there. And this laser beam shoots out, hits her in the face. Now that um, wasn't fantastic visually, the laser beam sequence, but the, uh, the, the effect on her face, it just it hits her in the mouth and just mutilates her head, more or less, and that stood out to me for years. I think a season of The Witch, that's the one thing that was popping out to me in a major way. So the, uh, basic, that's basically the, the concept of the movie right there. Uh, as far as the plot goes, um, at the beginning, it's October 23rd, 1982, Northern California, and there's this guy, this old man, getting chased through this town, Harry Grimbridge, and there's these mysterious men in suits, and he's got a jack-o'-lantern mask off him, they're hunting him down at one point, they get him in a scrapyard, and one of these guys, men in black, let's just say, is, has him pinned to the ground and he's trying to strangle him. But uh, this old man notices within the scrapyard that there's a car sitting there and there's a little block below it holding the car in place, below one of the tyres and there's a, a chain attached to it and he yanks that out. Uh, the car rolls back and crushes this man in black between it and the other car and it's just... There's no emotion in this guy as the car gets him. So the man manages to escape and he gets to a local garage where he passes out and is taken to hospital by the owner. And there we meet the the hero of the piece, let's just say, Dr. Daniel Chalice. I want to say Chalice or Chalice. Chalice, I'll just go with Chalice. He is an alcoholic doctor. He has a strained relationship with his ex-wife and two children. And this guy turns up and he says that they're going to try and kill all of us. And this is like he's settled down quite well until he hears and sees this advertisement for the Halloween masks on TV and uh, freaks out. They're going to try and kill everybody. So he later that night is murdered by one of these men in black and basically the guy just comes into his room and pretty much breaks his skull and by shoving his finger and thumb through his eye ball sockets and he just calmly walks out and uh, the doctor Dr. Charles he um, chases him out and sees the guy getting into his car and this man in black sitting in the driver's seat and he pours petrol over himself and lights a lighter and there's an explosion. Now that visual there was very well done. Now, um, obviously, nice cut there for a fake body to put onto the car for the explosion, but it's just, it's well enough paced that it's very believable. Just like in Halloween 2, where they 
the kid was trapped between the police car and the van and caught on fire. Very, very strong vigils as far as both movies go. But uh, the daughter of this old man that gets killed, a uh, toy shop owner, um, he was there to get masks as well, but he uncovered something. And his daughter turns up and she goes on an investigation spree with this doctor to find out what's going on. And they're led to this town that's run by this crazy Irishman and uh, the, the the toy company, essentially. Um, yeah, um, at the motel, of course, we get to hear more and more about what's happening. There's a curfew at a certain time of the night. The whole town goes under lockdown. Nobody's allowed out. These men in black are walking the streets and they're in the cars and whatnot. Uh, just keeping an eye on everything. And the doctor comes out and he meets this drunk. And this drunk man tells him that, you know, this madman came to the town and he's, he's brought all this help in from other places outside of the town and he's not hiring any local workers like here's me local boy he won't even hire me won't even entertain the notion of me coming into the factory so he's got a vendetta against the company and he wants to take him out and he threatens to uh, burn it to the ground it's guess be the last Halloween night this man ever has um, but of course uh, he does also say that this guy's probably listening. He's got cameras all over the town. You see all these security cameras throughout the movie. And it builds a nice bit of suspense and a bit of sinister feeling in the movie. This little drunk guy. And again, another strong visual. He's murdered by a couple of these men in black. By uh, They pretty much just get him down on his knees and yank his head right off his body. So it's fairly graphic in places. Um... Yes, um, the woman with the badge that got her face blown off, let's just say, uh, happens about halfway through the movie. And uh, the doctor and this guy's daughter are. Let me just look up the names of these characters instead of this guy, this doctor. And, uh, doctor Chalice, let's just say your man's name is. Um, he is. What's her name? Uh, the. The movie, as I say, it's well worth a watch, but it, it didn't hold my attention that well that uh, really anything really sunk in properly as far as the, the major details of it. Um, they're in Santa Maria, California, the Silver Shamrock Factory. Uh, I cannot for the life of me get a hold of this one. Is it? LA. LA. Okay, the doctor and Ellie. There, a couple of doors down from this woman, he gets her face blown off, and instead of an ambulance turning up, it's just a van, and there, he's just taken away on that, and uh, they're like, you know, what the heck's going on here? Um, so, you know, everything just feels off, and everything that's happening. Um, where it did start to fall apart for me, um, as. You know, there's a few things happening. The guy, the man in black, set himself on fire and blew up. Blew up in the car. There is a, a coroner's office that's 
sifting through the rubble and ashes to figure out who this person was and try and find dental records and all that sort of thing. But they can't find a trace of a body. And they eventually figure out that, you know, something's badly off here and they're trying to get a hold of this, this guy in this town. And they just cannot get through at a certain point there's a full lockdown happens as far as communications and everything that happens the man that owns the factory Connell Cochran turns up whenever this woman's taken away after getting her head blew off her face mutilated and he's all happy as Larry you know and he's upbeat and whatnot and he says we're taking her to the factory we've got first class things in there the facilities to work with us sort of thing but uh, it just it feels off so Ellie and the doctor try to get to the, the factory as best they can the next day they go on just off the street to inquire about her father was he there and whatnot. there was a record of him picking up a, an order and he left heading towards the north south whatever it was but uh, Ellie discovers there's a a door opening one of the warehouses and there's a car on there and she's like that's my father's car but the men in black again they're all over this place closes the shutters down and Cochrane is just like you know getting more and more secretive as we go through the, the movie so you know coming up towards the end of it uh, things start getting badly out of hand when uh, they stick their noses in far enough that Cochrane is going to come after them but I digress slightly there where the wind started to fall off it for me was the the revelation that all these men in black and probably all the workers in the factory as well are all androids that have been built by this guy Cochrane and that was the point for me where all the terror and fear of these guys, potential terror and fear of these guys and these characters kind of disappeared because, uh, you know, the doctor, he works it out by complete accident. He's fighting with one of these robots and he pretty much punches through his stomach and pulls the wire and cables out of him. Uh, there's a decent visual just prior to the that revelation where he comes across this old woman sitting knitting and for me uh, Cochrane was talking about all these different aspects of the masks and you know he takes the the doctor in LA <clears throat> and that other family salesman, the child and his mother that they eventually do the test of the ignition of the mask on they're going through the factory and a an inspection and been shown everything but they won't they're not allowed into one of the final rooms and Cochrane is like you know there's chemicals and stuff in there but you don't find out exactly what's in there at that point but there's a stage later in the movie where the doctor breaks in after Ellie has been kidnapped by the men in black and he's going through the the factory and he opens this door and there's this old woman sitting there and she's knitting and whatnot and she's non-responsive he's trying to talk to her and I'm thinking to myself okay right is this the witch that uh, you know 
does her voodoo on these masks, the, the end process, as Cochrane was saying, you can't see the end process of this sort of thing. But uh turns out she's an android as well, and, and one that he's had in his collection for a long, long time. So, uh, in true James Bond style, Cochrane actually takes the doctor in there instead of murdering his ass on the spot and runs him completely through the plan of everything that he's going to do and how he's going to do it. Um, you see, earlier in the movie, uh, you see a news report about a stone going missing from Stonehenge and it turns out this is in the basement of the... Well, not, well I'll take it to be the basement. Big warehouse area, anyway, let's just say. And the fact there's this huge stone from Stonehenge and he's just like, you know, uh, he goes through the whole thing about, you know, Halloween and the Irish origins of it and the planets are in alignment and I'm going to do this and these masks are going to activate and he, he actually makes the doctor sit there and watch on a monitor as he test, tests the ignition sequence through the... TV ad that he's going to be putting out at 9pm on Halloween night and you see the kid getting killed and the parents getting taken out with these snakes and stuff that come out of the kid's body um, so he's tied up the doctor's tied up and he's put in the room on his own uh, Ellie at this point she's gone, she's somewhere else but Cochrane points her out in an hour monitor, she's in this room here you see her tied down to a table and uh, yeah he sets up a TV so the doctor can sit there and actually watch the broadcast of you know the whole horror evening for Halloween. And when the ignition happens, he's going to get killed as well because Cochrane's put a mask on him. Uh, one of the tastiest things about this movie, and just a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humour, really, um, a few sequences in the movie, uh, you see... Before this, th this ad that's always been shown on TV, at one point you see an advertisement for Halloween, the first movie. So the first movie is in there as this is a movie in real life, so it's like a splintered universe at this point. This is the third part of the Halloween series, but from the movie they're saying, oh, here's the classic horror movie, Halloween. And even at this point, where the doctor's been tied up in this room, Halloween is on the TV as he's sitting in there and you, you see uh, a part of the not the closing moments of the, the first movie but uh, you know just before the, the showdown between Michael Myers and the chick um, but uh, yeah so he manages to escape he puts his foot through the, the, the TV to save himself from that uh, manages to get out and rescues Ellie. Uh, they try to escape. Um, they can't get away. But they've worked out that uh, these badges, these trademarks that are going to go on to the, uh, the Halloween masks will not worked out. That Cochrane flat out tells them, it's like this is the, this is what's going to do. This is gonna, what's going to kill them. And they also did hear that there was a misfire earlier in the movie that took out your woman, mutilated her face. I'm, I know, forgive me, this is a very splintered review of the movie, but uh, I'm working on about four hours sleep right here. So I want to get this done and upload it tonight. Um, 
they managed to scupper the plans as best they can in the, the factory by dumping a load of these. They had the, the ignition sequence in the company uh, in the factory and they're up on the, the top of the, the warehouse and they tip a box of these badges down onto the floor on top of all these android workers and the laser beams start shooting out of them and taking out these androids. As I say, at this point, all fear was gone for me. I was just like, oh, I can see why it wasn't received well by the critics whenever it came out. But uh, again, that's one of these movies that could, you know, on a couple more watches, you know, if the notion really takes me, and I'm like, I just fancy something. Halloween like but without Michael Myers there's always Halloween free season of the witch but uh, yeah so this ignition happens uh, throughout the computer monitors that are surrounding this stone from Stonehenge there's this beam of energy it's not really clearly explained what it is but uh, it's in some way connected to the stone and the alignments of the planet but it's nowhere near the 9pm time for ignition. But uh, this charge has started. And Cochran is standing there. And he, he looks up towards the top of the factory. And sees the two of these people standing. The doctor and Ellie. And he he just smiling his face. And starts clapping his hands. It's like well done. Good game. And there's a beam comes from the stone. Into this circular beam from these computers. And he's evaporated essentially he just disappears so goodness knows what the plan might have been for him if they were ever going to bring him back for anything if they, this had a hit successfully so now the big thing is that uh, they know the plans and what are they going to do they need to save all these kids you know there's a sequence in the movie where it shows different cities throughout America with the kids running the streets on Halloween night um this all happens in a like an eight day period. The whole film's like an eight day period up until Halloween night. And uh yeah, you see this sequence of the, all these shots, different cities and loads and loads of kids are all running out and trick or treating. They all have these masks from uh, the Silver Shamrock. And throughout that you hear the advertisement, you'll be home and enjoy the horror night, make sure you're right in front of your T V whenever it hits 9pm for the free giveaway and uh, it's just a way of getting as many people murdered, mass murder essentially it was this guy was after uh, you know at the end of the movie Ellie and the doctor are running from the, the, the factory after it but the factory gets destroyed and it's, <laughs> it's not the best visual I've ever seen in my life but first time that's pretty good. Um, it's just the factory is there. They're running away from it. You can see like flames behind it, but it's digitally put on there. Like It's just visual effects. Uh, no factory was burned in the making of this movie. So in the car, they're heading off, and it turns out that uh, we'd never find out what exactly happened to the real Ellie, but uh, it turns out she is an android, a replacement, and she attacks the doctor, tries to kill him, uh, the car goes off the road, and a tree, and he eventually manages to 
you know, kill a horse. Well, it's an android. It just rips her arms off and stuff. And but, um, yeah. So at the end of the film, he turns up at the, the same garage that we seen at the start, where the old man came to and the owner took him to the hospital. So he turns up there, and he's able to use the phone to call to some local TV network, and he's screaming, you know, he's like, minutes to nine, like, you need to pull this advertisement. Like, that's, there's a, a plan of mass murder here using the masks. I can't prove it, but you're just going to have to trust me on it. You're going to have to try and cut these as quick as you can. At this point, he's on the phone going ballistic, and this little kid comes in, and he's wearing the mask, and he sits down at the TV that's in the garage, and uh, the advertisement begins to run, and uh, yes, eventually that cuts off, having technical difficulties, blah, 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 the kid changes the channel, the advertisement's still going on the other channel, but then, sorry for the... The breaking broadcast, we're having some technical difficulties, and the kid changes it one more time to a third channel, and the, the advertisement is running right to the end. And the doctor at the end of the movie, he's screaming and ballistic, he's going down the phone. The, the third ad's still going on, the, you know, the ad's still going on the third channel, I should say. You need to stop it, stop it, stop it. You know, he's just crazy, and that's where the movie cuts out. Just stop it, stop it, screaming at the top of his lungs. So, um, Yes, so what you're given at the end of the movie is even though they managed to take out Cochrane and stop his army of androids, the the masks were already sold, the population already had it, the plan was already out there, ready to go whether Cochrane survived or not, so there is still one channel that's going to broadcast this ignition sequence and goodness knows how many people I took out. But a nice way to end off the movie without uh, a real answer as to whether the plan actually went through or not. That's probably one of my favourite things for these sorts of movies where they don't close up all the loose ends. They leave something there for the viewer to think about and uh, make up your own ending, essentially. But what you're given there pretty much spells it out, that the advertisement did eventually get out, even in the one channel, and took out probably thousands, uh, if not millions, of people. So uh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong. It's not the strongest out of the Halloween movies by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but it's got a good cult following now, and one that I'd probably... Honestly, I probably will check it out quite a few times in the upcoming years. I've got no doubt of that, because uh, it has... For me, I... Right, if you don't know this, I do, every once in a while, we'll sit down and I'll lift a, a file, block of file paper, lift a pen, and I'll crack out a little script for a short film of my own and I've even managed to make a couple along the lines I'm completely self-taught I'm not good at it by any stretch of the imagination but I have attempted it and I do know how 
difficult it is for this stuff to get done. So, you know, even though it's not 100% my cup of tea, this movie, I do respect the fact that it's a thing and it's out there. And uh, again, as I said earlier on, I would have been curious to see where the series would have went and what would have happened if this had have hit the way they wanted it to hit at that point. So as we go forward, they bring back Michael Myers. Uh, I think for me off the top of my head, you're back in the 80s at this point when these movies are were, were coming out. And you had Jason Voorhees and you had Freddy Krueger. And there was those two series of movies had that main villain that was larger in life so thinking you know I'm just trying to guess the dates here this is this movie was 81 I think but I think there was what, like a 5 or 6 year stretch between it and Halloween 4 let me just see if I can get any real uh, 1982 this is um, let me see uh, Halloween 3 is the only entry in the series doesn't feature Michael Myers after the film's disappointing reception and box office performance Michael Myers was brought back 6 years later on Halloween 4 the return of Michael Myers so we'll be doing that next Friday but uh, yeah so that tracks so if you like you know you're talking about 88 then, whenever the next one came out. So at that point, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees were household names and they thought them, probably thought themselves okay, right? Uh, that plan for the Halloween series didn't really pan out with Season of the Witch. But we've got these other two big characters here, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Why couldn't Michael Myers be something to get to? And, you know, he did in a way become uh, that same sort of status but you know for me again Halloween was never my go to so um, this is an education for myself going through these movies again but uh, it is what it is um, Season of the Witch there's no witch in the movie uh, but the the bones of the the plan that Cochrane has was purely through witchcraft, essentially. So, um, if you look at it from that perspective, yeah, there was a witch in it, as far as witchcraft goes, but there was no actual physical witch, if you're expecting. If you're sitting down to watch Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, and you're expecting a witch to be causing trouble, you're going to be disappointed. But, uh, you know, this movie, it's okay, but it kind of failed to really get me feeling anything for the the main characters like this doctor, alcoholic uh, the, the girl, the daughter, the guy who gets killed at the start, head off to this town she wants to find out what happened to her father she's just lost her, her dad you're talking about a day later they're in this little town and uh, yeah the, the doctor sleeps over so you know for a guy that's trying to help her out and do the right thing. He was taking advantage quite a bit in this movie. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it. I think I've chatted enough about this movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, definitely consider giving it a look-see. And I know I've spoiled the crap out of it for you, but there's a lot of stuff on there that I didn't really touch on. 
But um, I'm definitely, uh, I will check it out again. I've got no doubt of it. But it was, it was just good to get to and to see how we got to that visual of the the little badge off the mask and your woman getting blasted in the face by it. That's the one visual that's stuck in my mind over the years. You know, movies doing something right. Whenever something within it will stick in your head for years and then getting back to it now and just, you know, starting from the beginning of the movie, getting up and seeing how we got there and where we went after it, was a treat for me. But, uh, yes, if it can mess with your mind to get there, then even though it wasn't a big box office success and the critics didn't really like the movie, it did its job. If it can give you a visual that sticks in your head for years, it's done its job in a big bad way. So, um, I love it. Right, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I hope you did indeed enjoy it. If you did, please rate and review the show. You want to get in contact and tell me that you're the worst podcaster on the face of the planet and you should really, you know, consider headbutting the closest wall. Uh, you can do that through the email, uh, hellmouthhotline at gmail.com. And what else? Share the show along to all your friends and tell them about this big Irish agent that's talking horror goodness on the internet. Okay, guys, until the next episode, stay safe and I'll talk to you all then. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening. 